Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. That sounds quite lovely. A tradition growing up in my household amongst my family my two parents and my two other siblings, was always the Advent wreath. The Advent wreath was beautifully decorated by my mother and placed in the middle of our dinner table. And so during that season of Advent, before we would even sit down to the table, really before the food was even placed on the table, we would always do the Advent wreath together. And so that is a, uh, a tradition, that is a, a practice that Sarah and I have incorporated and passed down uh, to our own children and within our own family. And so, as with many things, when you have young children, it, it's a work in progress. We're explaining what the Advent wreath is, what purpose it fulfills, why you can't light all the candles at one time until that fourth Sunday in Advent. We're talking about what it means, why it's not a good idea to uh, eat your corn during the while we're doing the Advent wreath, that it is a form of prayer. And so John Owen and Addie have been, they were helping us out with the Advent wreath. One of them would help me light the candles while we were doing the, uh, the Advent wreath, and then the other one would get the chance to help me blow them out blow them out uh, when we were finished with our supper. And so I've done the Advent wreath for many years now, growing up in my own family and now passing it down to my kids. But it seems as if the first time this year I noticed something different. I noticed the light returning. I noticed the light shining in the darkness and the inability of the darkness to overcome it as we light one more candle each week. That wreath fills up the whole room with light because what we do is we turn off all the lights in the kitchen beforehand so it's almost completely dark. We always do the Advent wreath in, in almost complete darkness. And so I noticed that by that fourth Sunday when those four candles were lit, just right there before Christmas. How that light scattered the darkness. The darkness did not and will not ever overcome it. 
Today in our Gospel lesson, we get John's prologue. That is what the first chapter of John is known as. John's prologue. And it is full of theology and in Christology, the, the study of Christ. What I think it is, is I think it's John's telling of the birth of Jesus Christ. I think it is John's version of the birth of our Lord. But it's vastly different from what we hear in Luke's Gospel, from what we heard this past Christmas Eve, last Monday in Luke's Gospel. In Luke, you know, you get the uh, decree from Emperor Augustus. You get the journey of Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem in the, to be counted in the census. You don't find any of that in John's prologue, in his version of Christ's birth. None of that. There's no stable there's no manger. There's no cattle lowing or oxen or ass, animals gathered round. There is no virgin, mother and mild. There is no babe lying in a manger. There's no shepherds keeping watch in their fields and are sore afraid. There is no heavenly host proclaiming aloud Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace and goodwill among all people. What Luke tells us with such warmth and such tenderness, John just tells us straightforward. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. That is John's way of saying that our Lord, our God, has been born. The light shines in the darkness of our lives. The light shines in the darkness of our world. And that darkness has yet to overcome it. And that darkness will not ever overcome that light of Christ. When Sarah and I were married nine years ago, I say that with confidence, nine years ago, we received a wedding present, and it is a, a nativity scene, a very beautiful nativity scene. And of course, we pull it out each year, and I arrange it on a table, and I arrange it to where uh, it seems perfect to me, where Joseph is uh, adoringly looking at, at Mary and his newborn son, Jesus, where the, uh, the animals are all gathered around with uh, curiosity. You know, I, I, the way I arranged that nativity scene to me is what it looked like, of course, in that stable in Bethlehem on that, on that night when our Lord was born. Uh, but then I have, you know, John Owen and Addie, they come and they rearrange it to, to where, you know, they, what they want it to look like. And so they'll come and those little hands will get on all of those figures and, you know, Joseph will be looking adoringly at the donkey, that sort of thing. And we've got Horace the lamb. Uh, poor Horace the lamb. He has three legs now. Um, Horace fell victim uh, to little hands about four or five years ago. Uh, it was a tragic fall off the table. And so Horace has, has three legs and can hardly stand up. And so when I'm arranging again, when I'm redoing what the kids have undone, I'm standing Horace upright and making sure it looks 
perfect, but you know, poor Horace, all it takes is a light draft from someone walking by or, or bumping the table for him to be knocked over and for those three legs to be sticking out. And so I think I've rearranged that nativity scene to where it's perfect for me because I believe, we all believe that Christmas should be perfect. In fact, we strive each and every year for the perfect Christmas. This is going to be the one. This is going to be the perfect Christmas. But I think it's always a futile attempt because even that first Christmas when Christ came, when that light shined in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it, it was by far, by far from perfect. For starters, Mary is unwed and pregnant. That's a huge scandal, folks. Huge scandal, and it's punishable in the Levitical law by stoning to death. So there was fear. There was trouble. Not to mention that her son, her firstborn son, was born in a barn. Born in a barn uh, amongst less than sterile conditions in the most horrid of conditions where animals live, where they eat, where they do all sorts of unsightly things in a barn because there was no room in the inn. And then if you keep going in Matthew's Gospel, you have the flight to Egypt and you have Herod and his attempt to kill the Christ child with the slaughter of the holy innocents. That first Christmas was by no means perfect. We should stop trying to make Christmas perfect because what is perfect about it is that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. That is what makes Christmas Christmas. We could do anything we want to to strive for that perfect Christmas. It already is perfect because Christ is here. Christ is living, breathing, dwelling among us. And to me, that's all you need for Christmas. It is a dark world out there. In the midst of this season, there is still pain. There is still untimely deaths. There is still depression. There's still cancer, illness. There is still oppression. There is still bloodshed and racism and bigotry and all those things that hold us back from experiencing the love of the Word made flesh. Our call as Christians the work of this Christmas season truly begins now. Now that the gifts have been opened, now that hopefully all the out-of-town guests are gone, the work of Christmas truly begins. And that work begins after this service. Because we all bear that light that shines in the darkness and that the darkness cannot overcome. Each of us has that within us, that Christ light. And that light is nothing less nor nothing more than the love of God. And it's a dark world out there. There are still all those things that I mentioned in this Christmas season. But our call, the true work of Christmas begins now. Right after this service as we are sent into the world to be the light that shines in the darkness. Go from this place and scatter that darkness so that people may see the light and the love of Christ the light and the love of God. Amen.